Welcome to the Axis Effect podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller and Marjorie DeHay with the Axis Effect podcast. We're super excited to have our guest on, Alex Shalosh, who is a co-founder of Meta Engine, one of the top development platforms for engines. Hi, Alex. Super excited to have you on our show. And I know you're on the show from Switzerland, so I greatly appreciate you staying up late for us to chat with us tonight. Yes. Hi, Sarah and Marjorie. Thank you very much for having me. It's you know it's still a working week, and we have because we have a team across the world. So uh, sometimes we stay late because of our team in the U.S. or the other way around. We get early because of our team in in Asia, in India. So uh, it's kind of for for us. It's okay. We're running a global company. It's a twenty four seven job when it's global. I absolutely and I absolutely love that you guys are global. But I love even more that you are in Switzerland because so many people are not going back in the office and their teams are scattered and they're still leading their respective industries. And it just kind of proves to us that leadership doesn't have to be in the office anymore, you know? Yes. And uh, I, I think there's still, it's good to have some in-person time. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, last year, for example, we, we just started a new organization in India. So we hired lots of developers. Now we have a team of 15 and uh, until we went there in January this year, it was very difficult to communicate. Like you you never cross that boundary because you just see them for one hour and you are done. Yeah. So when you have that personal connection, after spending three days with the team, you come back and now we're on the call, a totally different personal level connection that we have. That's why I love this hybrid model because I'm like, I'm in... Like, you know, I'm in LA all the time because I moved to Scottsdale, but I'm constantly there because Marjorie's there. And then like, and like I've clients there in New York, but I think we just have to be on Zooms and calls everywhere. But I think there is a time where you have to have that face-to-face relationship. And then all the Zooms and calls are okay, but it's it's a big difference when you have a face-to-face with somebody at least once or twice. That's exactly right. I agree with you. And uh, it's difficult also when you're trying to build culture in organization or when you have uh, lots of junior people that you have to hire and then train and so on. So it's much more difficult, I guess, to do it remotely. Right. But, um, you know, when you are an organization that has worked together, you understand each other and then uh, you move and you start working remotely, it's a relatively easy switch. Yeah. Let's talk about MediEngine. Let's talk about why you're global and why you guys are all over the place. And so when we were chatting with you, we know it's it's a, it's a development tools for creators and stuff. But give us a little bit of info what MediEngine really is about and why there's a lot of engines out there. So tell us why, yeah. what you guys are doing, and then how does this line up with all the other engines that's come into the market in the past two or three years? Right. So engine business is actually pretty old in general, right? So building games, on average, game engines, the ones that are leading today, whether it's Unreal or Unity, they're around 20 years old, maybe a little over than that. And that all comes from the traditional gaming. When you want to build a game, you don't want to also create technology because that delays you bringing your game to the market by three to five years. So in general, that's how the engine business started. So... um, 
In our case, uh, we had at the early days, in the early 2000s, when there was an idea to build a massively multiplayer role-playing game, MMORPG game. But there was no technology that would allow to do this. So a team of engineers got together and started building these tools that would allow you to create this massively scalable experiences where you can have huge expanses with millions of people playing really you know, kind of engaging experiences. And then, you know, the technology itself crystallized at some point and a larger companies, larger studios came and, and asked if they can license that technology. They didn't necessarily want the game, but they wanted to license that technology in order for them to also cut down that development time. Because what, what counts is obviously time is money. Money is at the end of the day is also uh, time to the market that you can start getting some return from the what you're building. So that's that's how the engine business in general have come to existence. And when we say an engine, it actually means in, in many ways, it's something that either runs the games when they are already published or also something that you use to run the development of this environment. That's why it's called an engine, right? That kind of runs in the background. We're not primarily focusing on actually developing the games. So game developer would take those tools and develop beautiful, creative environments, great ideas out there. But the background, the infrastructure of it would be running still on that original engine or with some modifications to fit your specific profile. So uh, that business was, you know, for us, more or less for 15, 16 years, we were in that business. And then uh, the new era of uh, digital twins came around and then uh, blockchain and blockchain games and then metaverses and NFTs and everything came through. And what we realized that there's many of the experiences that uh, people were building in those days, they were either a single player experience so you didn't have interaction with other players, but you had interaction with environment, or you had very small number of players. So um, we we had uh, almost two years uh, ago, we had an idea to bring the technology that we have from the traditional gaming side into the Web3 side. So to allow for many of these new metaverse ideas to actually help them to build, right? Help them to develop this environments and cut again, you know, make it easier. Let creators focus on creative side and let engineers maintain that, you know, call it relatively boring, but that infrastructure, the background, so creative people don't need to think about it. I mean, I, I spent years in the gaming industry, worked with a lot of Irish gaming companies. And one thing that I thought was so interesting about your platform is this really real time that you can do everything in real time because that has been for a lot of creatives that's often you know a problem because you do have people around the world so this ability to collaborate in real time so can you tell us a little bit about how you develop that technology and why right. it's so important to your clients so um, the development of that technology goes back to those to the 2001 you know back uh, you know 20 plus years ago and the reason for that was we had a development team that was based in three locations around the US and for family reasons and other logistical reasons they could not move together so the engineers again they saw it as a problem or a challenge that they needed to fix and they have developed a technology in those days. It was client server architecture. So you still had to have 
you own your own servers and then you connect to those servers from different locations and you can collaborate. So similar to Google Docs or Google Sheets where we can just simply go in and many of us can you know, collaborate in real time and see the changes that uh, each one of us is making. The same thing goes for our environments. And uh, then when cloud technology became came online and we were, I would say, probably we were the first real-time application out there on the cloud when we started in 2010. We're still the only ones that provide that real-time collaboration. And that's all driven by the fact that our technology is actually a fully integrated stack of different pieces that are required to build that uh, the platform. So not only that we have a rendering client that allows you to see 3D environments, we have fully integrated networking server database and all of that together, when you bring it in, it allows you to, as, as you mentioned before, to engage people in this real-time collaboration. To Mar- sorry, to Marjorie's point, you also have another feature that you could, it, it's, I know it's a collaboration tool, you could push content live on the fly at any given time as well. It, what sets you guys apart from all the other builders out there on the creative side? Are, I mean, these are two, I mean, Marjorie could probably, I mean, I have gaming, but not as much as Marjorie. These seem like the two biggest features for a multi-gaming company to have. Are these the two big things that set you guys apart from the other builders or yes. more of an advanced technology that's putting you guys out there? No, it's actually these two features that you just mentioned. So one is that real-time collaboration because what it what it allows you to do is you can have teams of people working at the same time and you can have a real you know 24-7 cycle if you have a distributed team across the world and you can do this handover because it's happening in real time in the 3D environment. So that that is one piece of it. The other one is when you have that environment and it's it allows you to cut down the total development time by 50 or maybe even 70% because you simply do not have to wait for me to provide you with feedback and then you build on my feedback, then I built on yours and so on. So it's like in main, with other engines today, you still have that called it old style version one, two, three, four, five, where you have to provide that handover. You can use cloud technologies for storage of that stuff. So it's much easier. You don't have to send big files to each other, but it's still not a real-time collaboration. But when you engage that real-time collaboration, that's when those benefits from time to market, you know, you can squeeze it and, and get your, your games out in half the time comparing to what it would be if you had to do it. Secondly, you don't have to, because it's done in the cloud, like, Today, we are not thinking at which version of Google Docs are you actually working in? Who knows, right? The only thing you know is the latest one. Got so it. the same goes in, in, that, in that respect. You work with a lot of big companies, content creators, et cetera. Maybe you could tell us about one of your favorite projects you worked on and why it was so important to you and your company. Yes. So the biggest two MMO projects that we worked on, you know, and we provided technology, we didn't really develop the games themselves. This was the Star Wars, the Old Republic game with, by Electronic Arts on the, the BioWare studio. And uh, they were the first major game that actually came out on our platform more than 10 years ago now. And that was for us, not only the biggest you know, validation of the platform, but it also was one of one of the most important from positioning point of view and uh, and and 
call it marketing point of view, the fact that you know big guys used us used our technology, but also at the same time, it was one of the most stable releases of any other MMORPG of those days on a global scale without a single server failure. So we were super psyched because of that success. And I know maybe for many people that are listening that those kind of, uh, these things sound boring, right? That the servers didn't fail. But that's important when when you are selling 2 million copies of a game. Right. And all two million people want to download it and get in with those experiences. So this this was, I would say, the biggest highlight because this was the first and the biggest and also the kind of the most uh, that really put us on the on the map. Let me ask you a question, Alex. I love a quote you have on here it says, while we are at the early days of the metaverse, it will advance very quickly. If leaders don't act now, they'll find themselves operating in a world designed by someone else. Where is your thought on this? Because I mean, we're all talking about Web3, the metaverse, gaming, such a huge tool of how to build these metaverses, your own virtual world. I mean, can I explain where that came from? Because people are going to start building their own worlds. You can, there's a lot of companies that are building metaverses, design firms. Most of them have a gaming background for multi-gaming right. platforms because all the metaverse is is a game platform. It's multi-gaming platform. You have they have the structure, the infrastructure, and the devs who knows how to build multi-billions of users on one platform without crashing it. So I love that most all if you're a really good, really good company that says you could build metaverse, if you don't have a gaming background and engine, to me, I just wouldn't trust a company. It's not a land grab because you gotta be a gaming company to understand how to interact and how everything works. I think it's the same for NFTs. If you don't really know that gaming multi, you just can't build an NFT for a client because you want to make money. There's nothing there unless you have that multi-gaming experience. It's all experiential. Uh, do you? Right. So I'm just kind of curious where this came from. Is this quote like find the right company to build it for you or someone else is going to come along, do it for you on their own platform or take advantage of it or... Make your so, way. I mean, where is where did this quote come? I love the quote, very good quote. But I just want to know kind of the backstory to it. So the backstory is first of all, we believe in the same exact premise that metaverse is going to be built by people that know how to create entertainment experiences, right? Whether it's an online concert or it's a great gaming or gamification of education or anything like that, right? Because you know, metaverse will be diverse. It's, some of it will be boring and you will not go there. Like some of the web boring websites, you, you've you been there, you read it once and you never come back. And some will be very exciting and places where new content comes in. And that actually comes back to your earlier question with a real-time push of the content to the users without getting users out of, of the environment. So what we have is a strong belief that, first of all, there will not be a single one company that will develop a metaverse. The same way, like not a single one company developed internet, right? It took the village, it took everybody to come in, provide the content, build the diversity in order for everybody to enjoy it. Secondly, it will be also a multi-channel opportunity. So you you asked before about AR, VR. It's not just AR, VR. People will experience it on a on a screen like they experience on a 2D screen like they experience games. They will experience it on mobile phones. And, and through uh, different VR and AR devices. So there will be multiple ways. It's like looking at the same large environment, a three-dimensional environment with multiple experiences, but through different windows. 
you you see it from a small window on this on the on the mobile screen and it looks one way for you uh somebody else will look at it at the, at the huge screen when they're playing the game so it's the, these are the ways of how we're going to experience but it's always going to be different ways so our strong belief is that um, by providing the tools we we can help and accelerate the development of of the metaverse because first of all using our technology you can start with small experience and then add to that experience while your players are already in that first portion of it so if we're building a a town right you start with a central square and people will already start engaging socializing there maybe playing mini game here and there but at the same time the rest of your construction crew will continue building that town around you and building those experiences and you uh, our technology allows you to not being kicked out like it is you know you whoever played games knows when the new version comes out when there is a patch you always have to get out you disconnect you install or you you update and then only you can restart that experience our technology allows you to do a lot of majority of it not not everything because if there is a huge upgrade obviously that needs a much bigger download but if these are smaller changes that are happening you can actually continue rolling them out in real time. So many questions, so little time. I want to pivot a little bit on the metaverse. I know it's such a big topic and I know it is based on the gaming and side. I mean, everything is all around the metaverse and experiential now. And let's talk about some of the value. There's a lot of people talking about the metaverse, Web3. Nobody's really has any direct answers. It's just kind of a build it and see what comes for the gaming. You guys know how that works. I'm saying you guys, people in gaming. Game. Know, yeah, exactly. Game Marjorie, no matter what country, Irish, whatever, you guys all know the gaming. <laughs> it's the same thing across the board, multiplayers. But there's a lot of pain points I know you talked about and we have that I want to talk about because I know there's a lot of pain points to the metaverse of building yeah. and creating value. And it's all about the experiential. But there's a lot of them on there that are listed out pretty clearly that I would never think about. Uh, so I want to kind of talk about some of these pain points and how we think about them if this was a study or whatnot. And one of the ones you have, obviously overcoming obstacles from preventing us from doing things in real life. I know that's a big one, but let's talk a little bit about that and enhancing the creativity and imagination. I want to kind of go through, before we run off time, some of these pain points on here and talk about each one briefly, because I feel like there is one, two, three, there's like maybe eight or nine pain points that are really the basis <laughs> of the confusion of the metaverse. So I want to kind yes. of step through some of these because it's very interesting how you're breaking these down, aware in general, it applies to everybody. And the first one, you know, almost 40% of people are saying the biggest pain point is overcoming the obstacles prevent us from doing something in real life. Can you explain a little bit more what that means? I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, everybody who plays games, right, switches that real life off. Whether you want to see a movie or you play a game, you get immersed in that experience and you're looking for something different to explore or to experience yourself. So in a way... It's maybe, you know, not everybody of us has exciting jobs or, you know, sometimes you want to take a little bit of, you know, stress off and you go into into the gaming environment, find some fantasy that would allow to explore your imagination and so on. So you listed several pieces about Metaverse, right? You know, all the Web3 and Metaverse and, and on the crypto drops in a little bit here and there. And then 
what is the difference uh, and and how the creatives are going to benefit from this we see still a relatively big uh, melting pot of all of these ideas and uh, the way we crystallize for ourselves especially for the creative community is uh, we see a relative resistance on the when you look at the gamers gamers don't necessarily like to pay for content too much. Uh, they might pay a little bit, but in general, they prefer also to have another option to be when you are good at, at whatever experience, you get rewarded and you progress within the games. So they are not necessarily interested in the money side of it. Then you have the Web3 community that came in relatively aggressive and they have adopted the, all these ideas of metaverse, but their primary idea was economically driven, right? You invest in something like NFTs, you create those digital assets, and then you see those grow. And uh, there is a medium ground somewhere where these two communities meet. And that's that's a meeting point that we want MetaEngine to be, where we provide, on one side, we provide the tools for game developers to come in and, and ne- not necessarily just game developers, brands can come in and develop some interesting, curious experiences, how to experience them. At the same time, what we are looking to to help is the creators that currently are relatively, you know, the, let's say, undervalued as, as far as how their creations are perceived. And the, the same way the artists in LA, right, they are not making enough money if you take the whole majority. Only like small percentage of them really become stars. The same way with game developers and, and creators in general they are relatively poor people. And the reason for this is that it's difficult for them to continue making money from the experiences that they have created because usually they're part of a really large publisher or so on. So they don't own that piece of revenue, even a small percentage of it, they don't. So by creating that one big meeting place where where MetaEngine is, we're bringing creators and giving them opportunity to create different business models based on whether you know they've created a beautiful avatar and it, if it is used on the platform once they get paid but usually it's difficult for them to track how many times it's been used or if i need it but i need it only for a certain mini game so i can rent it out I, so what we are doing within this community is really creating the, the bridge that connects the old web 2 world with the new features of web 3 which which are you know that digital asset ownership, uh, asset interoperability, uh, in, and and security from blockchain, and that I think is is a necessary core for us to start building the metaverse or multiverses that it's going to become because you know we are not the same. Everybody has different interests and different things that we want to experience. That was really but great. You, so if you had on one, on one thing that I'm very <laughs> passionate about. So if you had a crystal ball and 10 years from now, what would the metaverse look like to you? I would like to go back to kind of the original, more or less definitions of it. For me, it's a it's a network of massively scalable experiences where you can transition from one experience to, to another using the same avatar. So it's not necessarily like it is today in one game, you won, and then you go into another game, you have to rebuild yourself more or less. So being able to transition through this, also supported by the new Web3 features like digital asset ownership and so on. So if I buy an avatar and I want to stick to it for the next 20 years, the only thing I change is the skins or maybe I get myself a pet or whatever. I want to be able to do it and go from one experience to another. So I see 
that enabling environment that allows me to experience it the way I like it. So that's, I believe, what Metaverse is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be 10 years or 20 years away, but yeah. what eventually, I love, yes. What I love about it is that it gives you a chance of the avatars and skills for self-expression. This is that whole creativity, that whole imagination, that whole world of creativity you could unleash be creative as you want, self-express yourself, whether you want mohawks, be blue, green, purple. Right. You could just exactly. go as far as you want. No judgment, no fear. You're all out there in this world together, which is a creative world to express yourself. And I absolutely love that. And the fact of the whole education on this is tremendous. Who is like your main target? Like, Are you targeting only brands? Is it only development teams? Who is the primary target for MetaEngine? Because the market, the metaverse market, we believe is still relatively small. So um, it's our experience over the last uh, one and a half years is that big brands or big developers, big publishers are still holding back a little bit. So they have experimented with releasing some NFTs are well-known properties. They have done that. Or like brands like Nike and the others have experimented with digital goods as well. But they haven't really invested in it because the the user base is very small. So because of this, I believe that the first adopters will be similarly to to the new ideas in gaming industry. The first ones will be the indie developers and small development teams, because for them, the only way to survive is to innovate. Similar to somebody asked me that kind of similar question, what kind of trajectory? So if you remember when mobile games came around, none of the big studios wanted to build mobile games. They all waited and waited and waited. And then some of these games became so popular that these big studios had to go and you know pay really you know several billion dollars for multiple acquisitions. And all of them have built their mobile businesses through acquisition. So in maybe we will have a much faster development cycle here. And the reason I believe is, is the fact that uh, there is quite a lot of money in Web3 that continues to support and promote this development. There are lots of interested investors that want to help with that. Unlike in traditional gaming, where you have a small number of specialized funds. Otherwise, a lot of uh, other funds are generalist funds, right? So I think through that, we might see an acceleration, but I believe that the development might be of a kind of a maybe sharper turn, but uh, will follow the same path. Small teams, creative experiences, some really eye-catching stuff, and then the big guys will simply not be able to ignore. You know, you have a great background in finance. Can you tell us how your background in finance helped your leadership of your current company? Oof, my, my background in finance was less about leadership, but more about you know investing and analyzing. So it was, um, although I had at the, at the end, I had a small team, but it was much less about the people management skills, uh, let's say, but, uh, but more about idea-driven investments and uh, theme-driven type of innovation that I was focusing on because my focus was always either on the technology side or on the emerging market side. I'm originally, I'm from Ukraine. So for me, it was easy to kind of to understand also what, uh, you know, what drives 
the development in some of these markets. So uh, that's one. So only when I actually became an entrepreneur and I started here, that that's when some of those skills had to be developed. <laughs> right. So it was not, yeah, it, it was not on purpose. It was, you know, a forced uh, kind of development that had to take place. But I think that's like for a lot of people leading, especially tech and entertainment, they either were thrown into a situation where they were forced to step up and lead, to absorb and learn and become a good leader, or they just naturally were born leaders and they wanted to get in, they knew how to lead. So the fact that you, your background and history, how you've created those leader skill sets to get where you are now is very impressive. And it's a great thing that you are in this position right now because you're right where you need to be in the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, I'm already in the metaverse. You're so, in the metaverse. Uh, no, I'm, I'm also, I have to mention that I'm also very lucky I have a co-founder. Antoine, who who is my you know great partner on on the business side, we do share a lot of responsibility. So it's also kind of been pushing each other and also sharing responsibilities where where it's required and backing each other up. That has been tremendous. Yeah. So that's, see, that's um, teamwork. So I think what makes a really good leader is knowing to step back and be part of the team to move forward. So you kind of have the best of both worlds there. And just before we run out of time, Alex, it's it's so much to talk about, especially when it comes to the metaverse. But your corporate, you're based in Switzerland, but do you have offices or or everywhere or is it your dev teams that are in another country? Yes. So the way we do it, because we are a a startup, I'll call it reborn startup, right? So uh, we have uh, a team and a properly organized office in India because that's where we need to with with local employees. Now, we actually headquarters for the Meta Engine are in Singapore, but the team is distributed. So uh, we we are. If you were to go from you know, so we are in India, we in Ukraine, Poland, you know, Switzerland, France, Spain, UK, US, Argentina, and currently one person also in South Africa. So we we are really you know small team of 35 people, but we are a real global team uh, in that respect. Official address is Singapore, but uh, the operations themselves due to you know where we find the talent, for example, why India, right? We're not only trying to piggyback, let's say, on, on the lower cost of labor and so on, but this is the highest growth region in the world as far as gaming and entertainment is concerned. The Southeast Asia is driving demand and growth because of young population. Demographics are playing, you know, crazy. And then the adoption of technology and the rest is playing really strongly and helps us. So that's the reason why we established there. We also have a development effort in Ukraine because we, we had it before, but now even more important because we, we want to make sure that the country also has as a small company, we cannot give money, but uh, or enough money, but we can uh, employ people, and there are great talents out there too. So we're trying to be, you know, good world citizens at the same time, you know, looking at opportunities where where we can best way develop and grow, right? Because of the underlying opportunities. And I love that. I love that you guys do diversify. The, there's talent all over the world, and you're not just doing it right in your own backyard. Like you said, you're giving back to Ukraine however you can, which is actually tremendous. You're giving back to the countries and pulling in talent across the globe. That's what's best for the company. And I do feel that is almost a new era business model where because we're all about the hybrid and we're not in the offices all the time. I do love the business model where companies are opening their eyes and realizing there's talent everywhere and they're giving people opportunity everywhere to come in 
to have an income, to have a career, to bring in the best of intelligence and knowledge and development from those countries. And I do love that you guys are sitting on that business model. I'm seeing more and more. So, so one, one important thing here is that our technology actually supports that even more, right? Having that real-time collaboration in the cloud, not only that we're working as a global company, our clients that are, that are using our technology can also do exactly the same. So we promote, even through that, we can promote uh, that, call it, you know, I don't know. Many people don't like the word globalization, but you know, we we help you know companies yeah. uh, to uh, to actually run multi multi nation or multi whatever uh, location type of development. Yeah, you guys are leaning into tech on a global level. I just talked about two other company startups who decided that they were going to spread out and do the same thing be global in different areas, the best of to help and give back versus just keep it central. Right. And I've never seen that as much as I have this past, I mean, it's more than forever this past year, but I've seen more companies come out on the market say, hey, we, we, we're all over the place. We're not just whole dev right. team in Texas or whole dev team in LA. You know, they want that global presence of the best of breed in every country. So I do think it's a interesting how we've shifted into that leadership model for startups. Hey, it's not that we wanted it, right? And a lot of, uh, a lot of us went to work from home because of the pandemic. So we had to transition and transition very quickly and learn very quickly. Some of the services like Zoom, we didn't know what it was right in those days. So now there are so many services that actually allow you to do it. And um, it's amazing how many great tools out there to manage your company, to run your operations, to you know do simple task management and so on that have appeared in order to facilitate that remote work and uh, yeah, global approach. You know, we talk a lot about leadership and also how people have grown their companies. So for people interested in the metaverse, interested in gaming, you know, who are startups or entrepreneurs, what's the best advice you'd give them? Ooh, uh, that's a difficult one, especially now with chat DTP that apparently gives you every answer that uh, <laughs> on the planet. So how do I beat that? <laughs> One of the advices is really finding the right partners, finding your team, and, and finding people that are actually better than you in many ways sometimes that actually you can learn from them and they can push it in different directions, not only where the way you have your strength, particular strengths. So that that would be probably the most important advice. And then work. Right. <laughs> as simple as that, I guess. <laughs> that was a good, simple answer. It was... Alex, it was so good having you on the show. Where can anybody tell us where people could go to find you and find more about the company? Yes. So our website is metaengine.gg for good game. We're going to soon launch a website for uh, what we call Meta Studios, which will be our service arm developing and creating products and experiences, which will be metastudios.gg. So, um, yeah, these are the core places where you find us. We're on a number of social platforms. Again, on the website, there are all the references there to find. And we're currently building the communities. We are, One of our main focuses uh, is really creating a platform where people with ideas and creative individuals can come in and uh, group together and explore some of these ideas together. Perfect. I love that GG's good games. I used to think it was great games or something else. I don't know, but I love that it's good games. It was it was so good having you on the show, Alex. Thank Pleasure. you. Pleasure. It was very really? educational. I love that you are a global co-founder 
in the metaverse. It was such a good conversation to have with you. I know it's getting late your time. So I do appreciate you popping on and staying up with us. Marjorie, another good podcast. So this is Sarah. Really enjoyed it. Great questions. Uh, thank <laughs> you very much. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, was a very enjoyable conversation. That was good. This is Sarah Miller, Marjorie De Hay with the Access Effect with Alex Shalosh, co-founder of Meta Engines. Everybody can find him at metaengine.gg. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Access Effect podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Axis Effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaxiseffect.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.